0: The following message is by Pastor Steve Clark of the Evangelical Free Church of Salt Lake City. More information is available at our website, www.slcevfree.org.
1: Father, we thank you that there is great truth that we just sung, that there is nothing that holds us back from you now. There was before, there was a great barrier of sin that you broke down and now nothing holds us back and you invite us into the throne room of you, our King. We say thank you for that truth. We come to you now praying and asking that you would speak, that you would guide and teach we come in a sense like children coming into the presence of a father, not, not really like subjects coming to a king cringing, but like children to a father who is also the king. We come with our, our confused and, and contorted and twisted and, and troubling issues and lives. We come to you knowing that your smile, will receive us, nothing holds us back from you. And knowing that in your presence we will receive grace and mercy to help us with all of these troubles in the right time and in the right way, you will give good, you will bless, you will heal and redeem, recover and restore. Thank you. So we come to you now this morning and ask you to teach and and to do some of that healing and restoring and, and fixing. Lord, perhaps change some of the ways we think and some of the ways we pursue life and from that produce a life that is more honoring to you and more delightful to walk in. Build your church, Lord, please. Build us as individual Christians. Build us as your corporate body on earth, as was prayed earlier. Draw in your sheep who are not yet in the fold. We believe you have many people in this land and in this city, sheep who will hear your voice and who will come. And so we ask, draw them. Father, draw them to the sun, perhaps even this morning. Would you build your church? Would you order our thinking and our hearts and cause us to walk, even to run, and to skip with joy in fellowship with you? That would take a work of God because there's much sorrowing reality in this world. But We come to you asking you to do it, to build us this morning even. And we say thank you. Thank you that nothing holds us back from you and that you welcome us in and you hear us and you answer. That's a great gift. Thank you, Lord. Speak now, we pray. Build your church. Honor the name of Christ. Thank you, Lord. Amen. We turn our attention this morning to Luke chapter 1. The two different story threads that we've been looking at so far, the the first thread about the birth of John, the foretelling of the birth of John the Baptist, and the second thread, the foretelling of the birth of Jesus, those two threads, separate, now come and they meet as the two mothers-to-be, Elizabeth and Mary, meet in our passage this morning. They're not meeting for the first time, as we recall. They're relatives. They know each other. But they are coming together for the first time since these two announcements that Luke just told us about. He began the book... His introduction by telling us that he was giving us an orderly account of what God has accomplished. That was his opening statement. And then he told us the announcement of John's birth, John the Baptist's coming birth. An answer, a great answer to what we find was the prayer of his father, Zechariah, and his mother, Elizabeth. And, in fact, an answer to the prayers of all the people. All the people of God had been crying out. That was one of the emphasized points there, prayer, lifting up requests to God. God is going to answer. He hears their call, their request for deliverance. He says, Yes, now's the time. And perhaps unexpectedly, though, sends John the Baptist, not the Messiah. John the Baptist comes first to prepare a people for the Lord, to make ready a people by first speaking about sin and repentance, coming to turn the people back to God. He's the forerunner, he comes first. And then, last week, we saw God did, in fact, move a few months later to send the king, the Messiah, doing the impossible, in fact, to keep his promise. It's one of the main issues. Nothing, in fact, is impossible with God. He made a promise. He expressed his intent to enthrone his king over all the people to bring them back to bring back the people and to bring back, in fact, the nations to the Lord. He expresses intent to do that, and nothing is impossible. He will overcome all political realities, all governmental realities, the hardness of the human heart, and in fact, even the impossibility of a virgin birth. Nothing is impossible with him. He said it, and he will do it. God's going to enthrone Jesus as king and as Ephesians 1 and 1 Corinthians 15 and everywhere else in the Bible affirms God is in fact doing that, even right now. Which brings us to today's passage and the dual response to that of belief and joy. We're looking at today's passage through the eyes of, in in the story of two women, improbably and impossibly pregnant, and as they greet one another and kind of interact over what it is that God has done, they talk about belief and joy. So that's what's going to be held up in front of us this morning. I'm going to put it in this sentence. Here's me. Here's the main idea that I'm working towards this morning. God's promise believed brings blessed joy. God's promise believed brings blessed joy. I'm going to make two observations from the text along those lines. But first, let me read it. Then I'll pass back through it to clarify just a couple of details, not not too many. And then I'll make those two observations. I'm reading Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to 45. In those days Mary arose For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. That's the passage this morning, rather brief. I'm going to make two observations. Here's the first one. Before I do that, I need to cover a couple of details. My mistake. These two women greet, greet each other. She comes, Mary comes, pregnant. She comes six months after Elizabeth is conceived in, in her womb. She comes, and she no sooner comes into the house and says, Hello, than the baby in her womb leaps. says this twice. Leaps, and when Elizabeth tells the story again down in 44, leaps for joy. Now, the, the word itself is, The word for leaping itself can mean something like skipping or with expressing delighted happiness. But then she adds on, leaped for joy. She's trying to get across, John is happy. And as a little side note, we should note, that's a fetus. No, it's a person in the womb, happy, delighted, responding, and by the power of God, aware of another person in a womb. These are people, not just cells. That's not the main point, of course, but I can't pass it over and miss that. These are people alive in the womb who are aware of each other and people who, as we saw in chapter 1, are filled with the Holy Spirit. John's filled with the Holy Spirit inside of her. So God's at work on this person in the womb. And they are interacting with each other. The mothers are interacting, and the babies are interacting with each other. We just, we just got to note that in passing by. It's not the main point, but we must see it. John is delighted when he meets Jesus and points out, even by his reaction inside, this is the Messiah. And Elizabeth gets that. She, too, is full of delight. She's full of the Holy Spirit, as verse 42 exclaims. She exclaims loudly in exuberance herself, Blessed are you among women. And blessed is this child you have. She's praising. So the word blessed means there. She's praising. She's declaring praise and honor to Mary and the baby. Praise and honor be to you and this child. But why? Well, verse 43, she's amazed at the privilege she has encountered. The, the mother of my Lord has come to me. By which she means... She she doesn't understand Lord in the fullest sense. She's not saying anything yet about Jesus being God. She means Lord as in ruler, Messiah. Full of the Holy Spirit, she understands. She wasn't there when the angel came and spoke to Mary. She and this is the first time she's talked with her. They haven't traded email or anything. She she just now is meeting and the Spirit is revealing to her, this is the Messiah, my Lord, my King, my ruler who has come to me, praise to him and praise to you, mother of my Lord. Which we need to understand very carefully. Mary herself is only noteworthy, is only praiseworthy because of who is in her, the Lord. This should not incline us to Mary worship or Mary reverence, Even while it should incline us to honor her, like we do any other biblical character who's commendable. so We need to be very clear here. We don't want to denigrate Mary. She's held up to us as someone who is to be praised, who is to be honored, who is to be respected. But she is not, in some sense, above us, certainly not some intermediary between us and God. In fact, when we consider what the rest of what the Bible says about Mary, including even verse 45, as we'll come to eventually, what we see here is someone who is a model for us, someone that we are to be like, not to be beneath. Mary is presented to us as a model disciple, a model believer, that we are to emulate, not revere. Some of us, don't know why I even said any of that. And some of us come from spiritual traditions in which Mary is, frankly, out of place. We need to understand clearly she's a model believer to us, but she is not above us and is not between us and God. She's a model believer for us. Verse 45 makes clear she is to be emulated when Elizabeth says of her, and blessed uses a different word for blessed here. And blessed is the one, is she. A couple things here. This word blessed is less about praise and honor and more about fortunate, delighted, happy at what you will see or receive or what will happen to you, what will come your way, at good. Less praise and honor. Now she says, blessed be. Fortunately receiving good be. She who believed. Notice that she's talking to Mary. Mary's standing right there. But she shifts to an indirect address. Not blessed are you now, but fortunate is she, is the one who. She's taking this, Elizabeth is taking this, and applying it to all of us, to making a general statement. Blessed is the one who believes that there would be fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Blessed is the one who heard and believed that what God said he would do. That's the passage. I'll make a couple of observations now about that. Here's the first one. It's longer. It's the weightier of the two observations I'm going to make. Here it is. Good comes to those who believe God to do all that he says. Good comes to those who believe God to do all that he says. This touches on so much of the Christian life. This is a very wide point, which, and a good portion of this is for us to kind of get our minds around, this is how life works here. There's something here in in life we we have in front of us constantly, we have in front of us life, with the good and with the bad and often, most times, combinations thereof. We have things that are happening to us and we have God's promise God's word, and what do we do as we have life and the word? What are we supposed to do? To believe what God has said. To live by faith. To live trusting. And then, good comes to those who believe God to do all that he says. This point shows up in every minute of your life in one way or another. We see it here in the passage, really even we see it in the very end of the previous passage. It's, it's, it's kind of hidden there in verse 38. Where Mary responds what the angel said to her and says, let it be to me as you said. Let it be to me according to what the Word said. That's her putting herself beneath the Word of God and saying, so be it. She displays faith in God's Word in the face of what must have been confusion. But in our passage, we see it on both ends of the passage. It's, it's acted out in what Mary does in verse 39, and then it's the punchline at the very end, the main point, the last statement, verse 45. She gets up and she goes in haste. She rushes off to the hill country to see Elizabeth, believing that God sometime very soon is going to put a baby in her, and believing that what he said about Elizabeth, he told her that Elizabeth was with child, though she's elderly. Believing that that was true also, she rushes off to go meet. It's going to be an awkward encounter if either or both of those things don't happen. But believing, she moves. And that, of course, is the expressed condition in verse 45. It's it's the point. Blessed is the one who believes. Blessed is she who believes that God will fulfill even when it seems impossible. Believing, you will receive blessing. That's Mary. It's the person who is blessed. And the text makes very clear to us, Elizabeth said this, filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth's statement here is God's statement to us. It's not some, it perhaps could be dismissed as some kind of two women are together, they both realize that they are improbably pregnant and they're excited and happy and they just say stuff. No. This is God clarifying what's going on. Elizabeth, full of the Spirit, speaks the truth to us. Blessed is the one. Good comes to Indeed comes to, for sure comes to, the one who believes God to do, to fulfill, to accomplish all that he says. The one who lives by faith in God's word, in God's promise, receives fortunate good. That's the statement. That's, I think it's pretty obvious. But now we have to ask some questions about it. How? What, what kind of good, and how does that come, and how does this work? What kind of good are we talking about? Well, I think we should think about this in two ways. I'm going to call them an indirect and a direct. An indirect blessing, an indirect good, and a direct good, or a direct blessing. And the difference that, I, as I'm using the words, the difference that I mean here is kind of like directly, if... If I have a need and someone gives me $5 to meet that need, that's a direct blessing. Or if someone, as I'm going to use the terms here, if someone were to give me a a chore to do or a piece of advice, and then I do it and then receive the $5, that's an indirect. So that's what I mean here. A direct giving of the good or giving of something that leads me to the good. Direct And indirect. Blessed directly and blessed indirectly is the one who believes God to do all that He says. Directly, in this context, Mary believed God to be providing this baby to her and to Elizabeth. So be it, let it be as you say. And it happened. She was the mother of the Lord. she got allowed a front seat in something stunning. Stunning. Blessed is the one who believed. Indeed, blessed. And she believed that Elizabeth was a part of this and she goes to see her and then they get to enjoy this this encounter, this joyous meeting. She gets to enjoy this affirmation. If she hadn't have gone to see Elizabeth, she would have missed that. So she she would have missed that direct blessing too. Direct blessings come to us not just in the immediate I go, I receive a a word from you I go, I receive an experience from you sometimes they are a little bit following on such as we talked about in the Proverbs a bunch of times the last few weeks I believe God that he says honest work produces payoff I take him at his word I receive the payoff God often works with us in, the, in this direct, believe me and I will give. Don't believe me and I will withhold. We call that discipline sometimes. We call this blessing sometimes. God works with us often in very direct ways to encourage, to steer, to conform us to his image. However, if we're going to talk about direct blessing, we have to be clear about the biggest and clearest and most important direct blessing that comes from belief in what God said, the issue of salvation. There probably are some of us here who are reading this story and are seeing, or maybe are starting to see There's a word here, maybe in this passage or perhaps you're familiar with with more of the Bible, there's a word here spoken from God. A word broadly that addresses my condition before him, my problem and his solution to it. He has spoken to, to humanity. In the scriptures, his word delivered to us that says we have a problem before him. We are born lost. We grow up lost. He's spoken to us his word, his law, has revealed to us our constant tendency to shade it, to cut it, to outright reject it. He says in the law that the Ten Commandments, perhaps you've heard of them. He says in the law, the first one, you shall have no other gods before me. I am the Lord your God, He brought you out of Egypt. You shall have no other gods before me. And right there we all fall down. He has spoken to that, us that word, and has said clearly that the the consequence of that rejection of him is, is an eternal rejection from him. His punishment, his wrath remains on those who break his law. And graciously, kindly, he has also spoken to us of his loving provision for our sin. That's what Christ is ultimately about. So far, all we've seen is that he's coming as a king. We'll see next week he comes as a king to redeem and to deliver and save. But what that means, as we follow it through the book of Luke, what we will see that means is he has come to die on the cross to save us from the wrath of God against our sin. The most clearest, greatest, highest, whatever kind of superlative I can put on that, If you don't get anything else, get this single point this morning. God has spoken of our sin, of his wrath against our sin, and of his single provision that will remove his wrath off of us and save us forever. Blessed is the person who believes there will be a fulfillment of all that he has spoken who believes that there is a wrath that comes against our sin and who believes that Christ's death on the cross does indeed remove that wrath and deliver me into joy and acceptance with the judge and makes him instead my glorious father so that nothing can separate me from him and he invites me in. That can be you if you believe. And blessed would you be if you believed. We've got to be clear about that. Is that you? Now, I look over the congregation here, and I know 90% of you, and I know 90% of you, I know where you are, but 10% of you, I don't know at all. So I just put it in front of you. Is that you? Blessed, fortunate, happy, delighted at the good you would receive would you be if you believe this word? And miserable will you be if you don't? That is God's direct offer. Here's what I've said. If you believe, I will give directly eternal life. I will save you. So I need to be extremely clear about that. That's important. However, probably just by by volume, probably more of us here have more life that's connected to the indirect the indirect blessing that comes so I need to talk about that also indirectly and by what I, what I mean by this is that God does something that, indirectly produces a great change in life that is good, that is blessing to us. So he doesn't just directly deliver the blessing, he does something that then produces, on down the road, a delightful, happy change. Indirectly, blessed is the person who believes There will be a fulfillment of what God has said. This is the constant, the constant walk of the Christian. Believing that God will do all that he said, maybe five seconds from now. I believe that five seconds from now, he will do what he said, he will fulfill it. Or maybe... 5,000 years from now, I believe that he, what he said he will fulfill. But I'm walking through life constantly believing. Taking God's word, putting it against what I'm encountering, and saying, I trust him. That faith, that trust, that belief brings blessing. Maybe not in the moment, but indirectly. This is so because we all live out of our hearts. We all live from the inside out. We live out what's ruling inside, what we truly believe within. And in fact, if you think about this, this is true for non-Christians too. This is true for every human being, everywhere, always. We are always living by faith. I just spoke as if a Christian's call is to live by faith, but of course what I mean is to live by faith that what God has said God will do. All people are always living by faith. You're living based on what you believe about five seconds from now or 5,000 years from now. And God holds up in front of us great truth and says, your life will be made different. It will be transformed. Your life will be changed as you, inside here, in your mind, are renewed. It's Romans 12. He explains to us how it is that our lives are, are moved moved in a good direction so that what results for us is blessing, how does that change happen? As we are renewed on the inside, as the inner person is fixed, our lives are changed. He brings to us the Spirit of God supernaturally, works in us to will and to work according to His pleasure. In other words, He brings to us truth, facts, and causes us He persuades us to see those things as actually believable, as actually desirable, as actually true. Not just stuff out there, but as right. He makes us to believe them. And then, believing now, we act differently, we walk differently, we live differently. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks and the hands move. God's work is, is a, an internal, fact-introducing, heart-persuading, mind-renewing, and therefore then, life-walk-changing and blessing work. That's how he moves us to a life that is the blessed life, the life of good, the life that, that is desirable and whole and right, useful. The life you want. Now, Obviously, the Spirit of God must be at work there. I I just talked about how God brings truth to us, how God persuades us, how God illumines us. Philippians 2.13, for God is at work, too willing to work. But Philippians 2.12, verse right before that, says that we must work out our salvation with fear and trembling for God is at work. Now, that does not mean we work for salvation. We must work out The salvation that we already have for, we can, for God is at work. Obviously, the Spirit of God is at work here. Here's where this comes down, here's here's where this lands on us. You have something to do here. Understand how it is that God works. Blessed is the one who believes and God brings truth to me and God persuades my mind. God opens my eyes. God, 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 God. Indeed, bless God that God does this, that God gives the power. And do not sit down and say, therefore I completely turn off and check out. No. We must fight for faith we must take captive every thought and submit it to Christ that's in the bible also we must work out our salvation with fear and trembling and the only reason we can is because god is at work we have to look at life look at this this truth offered the truth that my friend, my, my neighbor, my relative is living, believing. He or she's living by faith too. Look at this, this alternative truth, and I put that in quotes, offered and say, no, that is false. Though my heart is strongly drawn after it. I'm, I'm checking the scores last night. I'm, I'm looking at the, the scores on Fox Sports trying to figure out how the youths are doing and how Villanova's doing. And somewhere in there there's a picture of a woman in a bikini. I said, in a bikini. Thankfully, that had no influence on me whatsoever and I just scrolled on down to the sports scores. I said it facetiously. now, I'm not going to be confessing any deep, dark sin here. But everybody in the room knows when you put a woman in a bikini up there, it draws the attention. Why do they put an image like that? Because it draws the attention. Because our natural heart and inclination is to believe that is fun. That's pleasurable. That's attractive. I want that. Isn't, that's exactly why the image is there, because we all work like that. Even the women look at it to compare. Right? And every man who scrolls on that page is going to, ca- his eyes going to catch on that. They're not stupid, they're just on purpose. That's how we work. There's the offer. Here's pleasure, and here's delight, and here's good. And everybody in the world believes that. And I, you, we have something to do in that moment. To to take that captive, to take that thought, that offer, that promise, in quotes, that lie, that deception, that lure, that grave, that pit. Take it captive and say, That's false. It's false. And just scroll on down and check the score. I can't delete it off the page, but I can move on. And I can move on in faith, believing, in fact, what God has said to me about where sexuality is to be directed, about where pleasure is really found, and not just the, the pleasure of sexuality, but what pleasure of intimacy with God that would be lost if I were to give myself to seeking it in the flesh. I gotta, it's a fight of faith, the whole point of this. is Blessed is the one who believes, not blessed is the one who deletes, who skips, who throws away the internet. It's about belief first. If you don't have the internet, you're going to find it somewhere else, aren't you? Yes. Jogging down the street on a billboard. You're going to find it everywhere. And and if that's not you, then you'll find something else that is you. Because you'll find it. The world is offering constantly. Here's life. Here's good. Here's pleasure. Here's the blessed life. Blessed is the person who gathers together all the treasures of the world and buys the biggest house, nicely appointed, and sits down in luxury and comfort? Blessed is that person. Most of us believe that one too, or at least are tempted to. No, in fact, you got to take these thoughts captive. It's a, it's it is first and foremost a question of belief. You are, we all are, everybody on the planet is walking by faith. The question is, faith in what? And what Elizabeth, filled with the Spirit, said, Blessed is the one is she who believed there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord, not by the culture, not by her feelings, not by her neighbor. What do you believe? Who do you believe? We take thoughts captive when we see the particular lures. I think most of the time, though, I need to be more proactive than reactive, not just when I see the picture on the screen, but all the day long to be filling my mind with, this is what is true, what the Lord has said will come to pass. Christ is indeed the king that he sent. And he is determined to overcome all powers and raise him up to reign forever. Which means that the values of this king are the right values. The desires of this king are the right desires. They are the ones that are true that will have their way. It is true that he was raised, that he will return. It is true that his kingdom will come and his will will be done. Blessed is the one who believes there will be a fulfillment of that. I have to stand in front of that and say, every day, all the time. I believe that, but God help my unbelief. I believe that. I'm going to fight. I'm going to take captive the, the lies, the deceptions. I'm going to try to fill my mind with that. I'm going to fight and I can fight because behind me and in me and above me is God at work in me to will and to work. It, the power comes from him. You fight. You pick up the sword. You're David before Goliath, if you will. Do you want to use that image? It's kind of a mangling of that passage, what it's actually about. But, You pick up the sword, he's got to throw the rock. you got to fight. But God is the one who gives the victory. The battle belongs to the Lord. So we fight in faith, believing. But we fight. There is a king. He reigns. He will come. And believing that sets all the rest of the world in perspective. It fixes our minds, fixes and corrects our minds and our perspectives. When we believe that and we see, we, see we have different goals, we develop different goals. We're not alarmed by perceived threats to the church. Our failing health doesn't cause us to plummet into despair. The collapse of the stock market doesn't shake us. Etc., 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 etc. First and foremost, we must address what or who we believe. Blessed is the one who believes there will be fulfillment of what the Lord has spoken. Believing leads to indirect the blessing. The life that is on a different path, a different trajectory, that rests amidst storms, that rejoices amidst sorrows. The blessed life, a delightful good. Which leads me to the second point, which is shorter. It's brief but important, so here it is. Rejoice. God has sent Jesus the king, just as he said. Rejoice. God has sent Jesus the king, just as he said. So the the previous point, the previous observation I was making is talking about believing that there will be a fulfillment. That's, That's kind of, there will be fulfillment. This point is more acknowledging the fact of Fulfillment. And it leads to joy. And it fits with the first observation like this. We are living believing there will be fulfillment, and in life in general, we always do better believing someone who has a strong track record of faithfulness. If somebody makes you a promise... And they've made similar promises 10 times before, and 10 of them they absolutely kept. Do you believe, number 11. But if they were five, five and five, you're not quite sure what to do with number 11. Maybe? Maybe not. This is the whole idea behind credit scores, right? you're willing to lend, if you're a bank, a ton of money to somebody who has proven over a long period of time they are completely trustworthy to pay it back. And if the low credit score is there, you say, maybe not. Maybe not. We do better when there's a long track record of faithfulness behind a promise. And what this fir- the second point is saying, the first point calls us to believe there will be a fulfillment. And a great way to strengthen that belief is to look at existing Fulfillment. God promised Zechariah that Elizabeth would conceive, and she did. We already knew that. But he just promised Mary an impossible conception, and as we're reading through there, we don't know yet what to make of it until John leaps for joy at the baby. He kept that promise, too. Of course, there's not really much suspense in it for us. We've read this. We know But so is Theophilus, the guy that he's writing to. Remember chapter 1. He's writing to Theophilus this orderly account, recounting, reminding, reiterating the things that have happened. Theophilus knows them just like you do. But in a moment of perhaps wavering uncertainty or perhaps doubt, we don't really know who Theophilus was, but we know our own hearts that happens sometimes. Really? Is it true? And he's reminding him. He said... That the elderly woman would become pregnant, and she did. He said the virgin would become pregnant, and she did. He said that John would be the forerunner of Christ, and he was. He said it happened. He said it happened. He said it happened. When he says it happens, These are the things that God said. These are the things that God did. And when we see these things, the point of these two women who are, who are face-to-face reacting over their, their joint discovery of the fulfillment of what God said, their attitude there, filled with the Spirit, their attitude in that moment is exuberant joy. He said he would send the king. He did. The lord has arrived. Ah, <sighs> yeah, he has. No! Come on. He said he would send the king. These women are exclaiming in delight, the baby leaping for joy. The king! Now, I don't do that very often. So that was the only time that's going to happen. But maybe a little... I didn't intend to do that either. That's the baby's response. John the Baptist filled with the Holy Spirit. It's his mother's response. Elizabeth filled with the Holy Spirit. That's your response if filled with the Holy Spirit. You see who He is and that He has come and that God has kept His word. And what that means, what that means, oh, rejoice over this, is that He is determined absolutely determined to overcome all obstacles to set up the king over your life, over your heart, to deliver you from sin and death and to bring you into life. Rejoice, just as he said, he has indeed sent the king. We should respond to that in joy and in, in a humble attitude. Who am I that you would draw the king near to me? Who am I? Christian, blessed are you if and as you believe there to be fulfillment, if and as you believe God to keep his word tomorrow. And what strong fuel, what strong help there is in that fight for faith is the realization that from this point past, he has kept his word to you repeatedly, constantly, always for your good. He has, you know. Do you see it? Do you see it? If you're a Christian, you have testimony of God's work in your life constantly for your good, if you have eyes to see it. I am a glass half-empty person. I need to remind myself the glass is also half-full, and there's a pitcher waiting a picture that is far larger than the, the emptiness in the glass. I have to remind myself of that often. Maybe you do too. God has been good, and therefore can be trusted to be good. Do you see that He has worked in a remarkable? If you understand half of the hardness of your heart, it will be remarkable to you that you are saved. If you understand some portion of the depth of your sin, it will be remarkable to you that he loves you. If you understand some fraction of your fickleness, it will be remarkable to you that he's faithful to you doesn't give up and won't leave. You have a new king who is reigning and who is constantly exerting his authority over you, reaching his fingers into the corners of your lives to grab hold, sink his talons in and pull you in. Does that sound harsh? It feels that way sometimes, doesn't it? why I'm describing it like this. It feels that way sometimes. And you want out. You want away. You want freedom. And, and somebody give me. You're not giving You're jabbing me. Somebody give me some good. Blessed are you if you believe that He is giving you good. As He pulls you to Him and overcomes your obstinance and saves you again. Not for the first time. It's because He saved you that He's saving you again and pulling you to Himself and overcoming your sin. Remarkable Good that that is. He has sent the king and is lifting him up to reign over you. His kingdom has come. It is coming. His will is being done and it will be. There is much that is yet to come. Blessed is the person who believes that there will be a fulfillment of that. Rejoicing Delighted will be the person who believes that. And part of, a big part of how that's fueled is standing right here and looking at the fulfillment that has already happened. Christ has come and Christ is here now reigning over you. So rejoice and rest humbly like Elizabeth and Mary together in awe of God and what he has done. Blessed are you, who believes that he will do still more. Let me pray. God help us to believe. God, open our eyes to see. To see the good that you have already done, to see the good that you have promised, and to believe that you will do it. There will be a fulfillment Lord, there are a bunch of people in this room right now and all of us in different places. And I pray, Lord, would you meet some here who don't know you. Would you meet them and convict them of sin and cause where you have spoken about sin and wrath and judgment and grace and love, forgiveness in the cross alone. Cause that to be real to them, more real than it ever has been. cause them to believe and Lord for those of us in the room here who do believe and struggle with unbelief who are lured by the enticements of the world who see who see the offers who see the the things that everybody else lives by faith in lives believing and are struggling to believe that struggling and are tempted to believe that Lord help them help us to see through it and see it as deception. Renew our minds. Spirit of God, would you bring the truth to our minds persuasively, powerfully. Cause us to see the emperor has on no clothes here in this world. That it is all facade. God help us. Give us faith to believe that you will accomplish what you have said. You will set up your kingdom and are doing so even now. Give us joy in that faith and peace as we walk through life that is troubling and challenging and confusing and tempting. Give us grace with you to enjoy the good that you give us here, to enjoy it rightly, to enjoy it for your kingdom and for your honor. Lord, help us and build your people. Save and sanctify. Lift up the church and make it blessed. Make it happy and fortunate and delighted in the good that is and that will be. All because you are. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Son. Thank you, Spirit. You are a good God. Have your way with us and Conform us to your image, we pray. Thank you, Lord. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Steve Clark of the Evangelical Free Church of Salt Lake City in Salt Lake City, Utah. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without permission.